Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I was about 16 years old when I last went camping with my friends. It was the end of August and it was still pretty warm outside. I remember how we battled for the best camping spot. I mean, Jason thought it would be great to go camping in the old abandoned sand pit near the old factory. But Michael wanted to go to the forest, not so far from the hiking trail, and as for me, well, I wanted security, comfort, and proximity. So, I obviously offered my huge backyard. I mean, I tried to convince them with accessible bathrooms and pancakes in the morning, but I didn't win my case. And after much deliberation, we decided to go to the forest. Not only was it closer, but there was absolutely nothing to see in the sand pit. I mean, plus, it was probably illegal to camp in a pit, while the forest was fair game. We packed our stuff, and two days later... We decided to choose a spot near the mountain trail, but not close enough that we could be seen by random hikers. I told my mom that I was going to sleep at Jason's house, and I secretly plucked the tent from the garage as I made my escape. Jason lived with his big bro, so if any of our parents called, his brother was going to cover for us, you know, say that we were at the movies or that we were asleep. And... We did that quite often. Not that my parents would ever call. I mean, I was a straight-A student, so it wasn't like they had anything to worry about. You know, me going feral at parties or drugs or whatever. I wasn't really a party guy. But I did like to drink here and there with my friends. We were not really part of the binge-drinking party crowd. We just liked to drink a little bit, you know get a little buzzed and play some board games and stuff like that. Maybe even have a small Dungeons and Dragons session while drunk. I tell ya, I was a pretty good dungeon master, especially after a few shots of peach schnapps. Still, I remember not feeling so enthusiastic about camping. As I walked up the mountain trail with my friends, I remember saying every few minutes that there was a great spot there. I didn't feel comfortable going too high on the hiking trail or being too far from civilization. Jason even called me out on that, saying I need to man up and that summer was about to end. And that after that, we'd be trapped for another full year between walls. And that now was the time to get into touch with nature. It was the way he said it though. It was more likely that he wanted to get in touch with that bottle of schnapps unbothered by anyone who might pass by. So finally, after an hour of hiking, we were far enough to my friend's taste. We took a left in the forest, and Michael took care of leaving tree marking tape so we wouldn't lose our way. We even bought the good one that absorbs the sunlight during the day and is luminescent at night. About 30 minutes later, 
we found the perfect open spot where we could build our tent and secure a perimeter for a fire. I dropped on the ground, exhausted from hiking, and once I caught my breath, I was back on my feet and I started to raise the tent. It took me about 40 minutes to do it alone because Jason and Michael were dealing with the fire. I don't know, it took them forever. One of them went to fetch branches and prepared the spot while the other one prepared our food. And on the menu was steak and frozen fries in a pan. We ate, we fed the fire, and we started talking and drinking. I made sure the fire was out by throwing soil on it and checking for smoke for another 15 minutes. And after that, we fell asleep way late in the night, satisfied with our night out. But something happened. I just couldn't fall asleep. My heart was hammering in my chest and I was sweating so bad. It wasn't even that warm outside. I swallowed thickly as I sat up and glanced at Michael and Jason. Those two were fast asleep. It didn't seem like they were about to wake anytime soon. And so I left the tent to take a piss, and that's when I heard it. A low, deep stomping on the ground. It sounded like hooves hitting the forest soil. Branches cracked beneath the weight of the beast. I thought I was hallucinating or still hammered drunk. But then I saw it in the distance. The horse's mane and fur were darker than the night itself, its eyes shining a bright red, like two bloody crimson dots sparkling in the night, advancing slowly toward our tent. I noticed something white in the horse's mouth, and once my eyes adjusted to the darkness, I realized its bit was a bone. I wouldn't be able to tell which bone it was, but it looked like a piece of human limb. Whenever the beast snorted, there were sparks and flames escaping its nostrils and mouth. I must have been hallucinating, right? But I wasn't. When I saw the rider, I knew I needed to do something. It was still far, so I managed to make it back to the tent. I tried to wake up Jason, but even after shaking him, he wouldn't rise. I turned toward Michael and shook him until he woke up, and as he was about to snarl at me, I put my hand on his mouth and told him to be quiet. I saw his eyes widen with fear as he heard the hooves just as clearly as I did a few moments ago. He mouthed quietly, what the hell is that? And I shook my head. I had no clue of what I'd just seen. I saw a horse and a headless rider holding its head under her arm. How could I think any of it was real? I couldn't. That is, until the headless rider was close enough that I could smell the rot and the decay. Until I could see its shadow on the walls of our tent and hear the demonic snorting of its mount. I held still, muscles cramped and stiff, as a disembodied voice broke through the dead of night. Even the wind and the trees stopped, as if everything was dying the moment the monster opened its mouth. It started calling my name. Her voice, distorted like a tune that's been slowed down to the lowest speed. It felt like an effort 
and the weight of her stain crushed my ribcage, making it hard to breathe. Me and Michael stood completely still as we laid eyes upon Jason, who was still sleeping soundly. I swear even my heart stopped as I heard him snore. His head turned towards us, and he parted his lips, saliva drooling upon his chin as he breathed loud and clear. And then we saw it. A spider, a little bigger than the size of my pinky's nail, running across his cheek before entering his mouth. We were both too shocked to do anything, but seconds later, Jason's breathing was getting labored. We heard the hooves stomp the ground and his chest started to heave. When I touched him, he was burning. I remember saying no repeatedly as I doused him in water and try and lower his temperature. I don't know how long I tried to save him, but maybe five or even ten minutes later, he was foaming at the mouth and his body was still. I saw the spider leave his mouth, and that was my waking call. We had to run. It didn't matter what the headless rider was outside. If we stayed in that tent, we were all going to die. I grabbed Michael's arm, said that we had to go, unzipped the tent, and we started running. I heard the horse's loud neigh in the distance and the sound of its hooves as it chased after us. My grip on Michael's arm wouldn't relent and I could hear him scream and curse as the horse gained grounds on us. Michael screamed and started freaking out. He pulled his arm back out of my grasp and dashed ahead of me. And then he took a sharp turn, screaming that he didn't want to die. I kept running after him, but the sound of the headless rider's voice right behind me sent chills down my spine. Michael screamed again, and I started running towards him again. I didn't care what I was up against. I needed to save my friend. I ran toward him as fast as I could, but I heard his panic. I felt the way his throat strangled as he screamed. My lungs were burning when I heard him trip his body hitting the ground with a loud thump. When I caught up, his eyes were wide open. He was still, and his expression was one of sheer terror. I started running again, and I cursed loudly to the open sky, and I ran and ran until I found a cave in the mountain. I mean, I probably could hide there, right? and I entered it without much thinking, walking as deep as I could. I tripped on a rock and finally decided to flick on my light, thinking I was far enough from the entrance that the headless rider wouldn't see me. I used the Zippo to light up the cave. Then I saw a bunch of drawings on the rocky walls. They seemed old, and the rocky wall was cracked in several ways, showing that the cave had been abandoned for a while. The wind whistled into the cave and carried the sound of the headless rider in its mount, reminding me that I wasn't alone in the forest. I turned toward the entrance of the cave as I realized it was coming this way, its steps slow and deliberate. I heard its loud stomping again, 
and as I laid my eyes on the ground, I noticed the flashlight about a foot or two away in the direction I came from. My Zippo was burning, so I reached for the flashlight and hoped that it would still work. To my luck, it did. I couldn't hear the stomping of the beast anymore after that. I turned my flashlight toward the entrance, but saw nothing. And then I stared back at the drawings on the wall. I followed the wall and read the story about this woman who was beheaded because of acts of witchcraft. Then her body thrown into the river, separated from her head forever. I swallowed heavily as the drawings introduced a horse who was gnawing on the disembodied head's hair like it was grass. The graphics explicit in the way the scalp was torn from the skull. And then I saw the return of the headless rider and countless deaths left in her wake. I saw a bunch of houses on fire. Spiders, snakes, bugs. And I saw how they painted the whispers of their names. The deeper I was getting into the cave, the more graphic the drawings became. The paint seemed fresher too. And by the end of it, it felt like the rock walls were oozing blood. There was one image, though, of a man holding a yellow rock and the rider going away. I heard a rat squeak as I stepped on its tail, and when I flashed toward the ground to see what I was stepping on, there were dozens of rats and half-eaten corpses laying there, moldy and decomposing. Behind it, a pure scene of horror. There were bones and bodies in various states of decay, skulls that had long lost any trace of flesh hanging on them, and skeletons broken into a myriad of pieces. And just then, I heard the sound of the horse's neigh from behind me, and my heart caught in my throat. I started dashing through the corpses and skeletons, it was that were running straight at the headless rider, and I could hear its hooves hitting the rocky floor of the cave. Cut my shin on a broken rib as I kept running, and I felt blood trickle down the length of my leg, soaking my socks. I panicked. My vision blurred and darkened at the edges. I didn't want to die, but the more I tried to run faster, the faster it seemed like the beast was catching up to me. I finally reached the end of that cave and saw the bunch of rocks together. It looked like a landslide formation, and there was a string of light, which in retrospect was probably the moon shining through the cracks. I could hear the horse getting closer, and I feared my name would be the next to cross the headless rider's lips. I started pulling on the rocks faster and faster just to get them out of the way, but it was too late. Minutes later, I was still straining when I heard the final stomp of the beast behind me. I leaned against the rocks as I turned around to face it. The head. Oh god, the head. It was staring at me with pitch black eyes. Eyes so perfectly black, it felt like there were holes in the skull instead of eyes. Glasgow grinned in a mock of gesture of happiness 
outstretched from one side of her face to the other, revealing rotten gums and blackened teeth. The texture of her skin looked like melted, gooey, rotting cheese. It was gray, and there were patches of green on her cheeks, where the skin was so stretched tight that the bones were apparent behind it. There was even an eerie green glow to it. Her long brown hair was matted, and there were patches missing like the drawings on the walls suggested. I could see bits of her skull through the thin patches of hair. At that time, I just wanted to melt with the rock behind me. The rider held its head under her arm, her armor the same pitch black as the fur and mane of her horse. I realized in horror that the saddle was made of dried human flesh and that the reins were human spines. I swallowed thickly as my hands started trembling. The flashlight shone on that disgusting head and it crept at me with lifeless eyes and a haunting grin. She took a step toward me, and I screamed. She started to whisper my name, and I broke down into sobs. And then, my necklace fell out of my shirt, and the sight of the golden cross sparkled something in me. I took it off my neck and showed it to the headless rider. The horse instantly got up on its hind legs, and the rider screamed like a banshee. I took a step forward, and it took three back. I continued to advance toward the monster, tears streaking down my face. I pissed myself right then and there as it kept screaming, and my eardrums threatened to explode as it kept backing away out of the cave. And once it had enough space to turn around, it did, and it dashed out of the cave. And so did I. I met Adulahan that night, and it was the last time I went camping with friends.